uh, Paul's words to the church, these last two verses uh, to the church in Ephesus and to the church today, um, bring us to consider these words, which are final words, the benediction, uh, good words, which is in essence what benediction is. Last week we considered uh, the bearer of this letter, a man by the name of Tychicus, uh, that Paul had given instruction to uh, carry information to several churches in the area of Ephesus. Ephesus and uh, Colossians uh, are a result of his information that he wants to pass back on to churches that the Apostle Paul had contact with a few years before. Well, this beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord was instructed to pass on this information about Paul's circumstances and how Paul, the minister in the Lord, was doing. Tychicus was to pass on these words and to give them words of comfort, which is the second purpose of Tychicus, because Tychicus being sent to Ephesus. We know this because Paul says, listen to him so that he may comfort your hearts. Colossians, often referred to as a sister letter to the Ephesian letter that we have, we see these same words, but this word here for um, comfort is a word that is translated by our English translations as encourage. Almost the same words verbatim. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities, we read in Colossians 4, 7. He's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that he may you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts that word there that i have highlighted encourage it's the same word in ephesians that is translated as comfort that word in the in the greek language in the uh, being the same word in our greek bibles is a word that means to speak to someone and to come alongside of them in order to transfer information to them, but also to be a comfort to them. Paul knew that the Ephesian people, like even people today, when those who have been sent out from the church go into areas of the land that is difficult, uh, in which they are being persecuted and they're suffering, and potential death, the church even today is concerned, as I said last week, worried in a sense about those that have been sent out. So these people in Ephesus were cut out of the same cloth. We all are. We are concerned about those who are in the ministry and suffering at the hands of the enemy because of their service in the kingdom. So Tychicus was sent with this letter 
for those two purposes, to transfer information over to the churches that had been uh, supported uh, by Paul's ministry, but he was also there to encourage them, to give them words of comfort and encouragement. You see, Tychicus is able to do this. Anyone who is a believer is able to do this, that is, come alongside those who are hurting, who need comfort. Come alongside those who might find themselves in difficulty and need a sense of peace and rest. We can do that because the God of all comfort has comforted each one of us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 3 and 4. For he is the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in our affliction. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Those who are in any affliction. We might comfort them with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. See, the bearer of this letter delivers a blessing given to him by the Apostle Paul, transferred to those people in Ephesus and in Colossae and surrounding churches. He gives a blessing. He gives this final word, good words, this benediction, which includes four words, the first of which we're going to cover today. And that word is peace. The other three words are love, faith, and grace. We find them very plainly in these last two verses of Ephesians as we read it here this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 23. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. The grass withers, the flowers fade and fall, but the words, these words of our Lord God endure forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, Gracious Lord, we come to you in the midst of all that is going on this morning and today in the world and in homes that you would give a supernatural attendance to all these situations. That even in the midst of trouble, sickness and illness and distress, there might be a true sense of peace and rest. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our triune God, we lift up this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. See, the very first 
blessing that Paul gives here. The very first word that he gives to Tychicus to transfer over to those churches that he has sent them to is peace. Many years ago, there was a retired couple who were concerned about the threat of nuclear war. They began a serious study of places to live on planet Earth that would be safe from that threat. Their purpose in their search was to determine where in the world would be the very likely place, the least place uh, likely affected by nuclear war, place of ultimate security. They studied and they traveled And they studied and traveled some more. Finally, they settled on that place. And at Christmas, they sent out cards to all their friends and their families from their new home that they had found. Security and peace and rest in the Falkland Islands. Well, you know where I'm going, don't you? Because that very place that they had found, almost as soon as they settled in, became embroiled in war. The Falkland Islands, 300 miles east of South America's southern Patagonian coast, about 750 miles on the the northern part of the Antarctic Peninsula. So it's way down there, presumably a place of peace and rest. But in 1982, it was the battleground between Britain and Argentina. See, people want peace in their lives. We do, don't we? But a lot of people, and I would say even some Christians, do not know or experience this true sense of peace and rest because they're looking for peace in all the wrong places. Where do we go to find this peace? Where do we go to find this sense of rest? Our Bibles, our only rule for faith and practice is the place that we go to find that peace. Because first of all, it is that peace with God that we seek. The one that Matthew reminded us holds our lives in the very palms of our hands. He is our peace and our rest. But something has happened, hasn't it? Sin has entered into the world and caused a great divide. All mankind, we're told, shorter catechism, by Adam's fall, has lost communion with God, is under His wrath and curse. And we experience all the the miseries in this life. Death itself. And the pain of hell forever outside of union with Christ. All people are born alienated from God and live in rebellion against Him. When by God's grace we are drawn together, effectually called 
by God's grace. And God, by His Spirit, regenerates us through the power of that Spirit. When we profess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, we are saved. At that very moment of conversion, we are enabled by God's grace to give our wholehearted trust in the one who has called us, the one who saves us from our sins, Jesus Christ. We're brought back into that right relationship with our Creator God. A big word for that reconciliation. Therefore, Paul says in Romans 5, 1, since we have been justified by faith, what do we have? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Or it's a steadfast mind. You, O God, will keep in perfect what? Perfect peace. Because he or she trusts in you for all things. One place that this pronouncement of peace often goes out to this congregation. You've heard me say it. It's what we call the benediction given by Aaron in Numbers chapter 6. The ironic, ironic, not ironic, the ironic benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you what? Peace. This peace is not the absence of trouble. Because in the world, we do have trouble and tribulation, I think someone said at one time. But be a good cheer for He who said those words has overcome the world. And in Him we have peace. See, this peace that we seek for is not the absence of trouble and strife. It's the presence of God. The overwhelming sense that God is with us, fulfilling His promise to never leave us and never forsake us. There is that peace with God, that peace that we have in the presence of God that brings, or should bring, peace with one another. That peace of God that gives us that peace with God paves the way for us to have peace with one another. Those who are sitting next to you, those who are sitting six feet behind you, we have peace with one another. Paul had written earlier how Jesus had come to establish this sense of peace With all people, he writes in Ephesians 2, verses 14 and 15. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to look there. Follow along with me. In Ephesians 2, 14, he says, For he himself is our peace, 
who made both groups, the Jew and the Gentile, into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, the hatred, the animosity, which is the law and commandments contained in ordinances, in rules and laws and regulations, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. This idea of peace is so important that Paul begins this letter to the Ephesians. And I admit, it's probably been so long ago that uh, you may have looked at this and I reminded you of this but he begins his letter as he ends but he changes the end, the wording around just slightly as bookends in closing this message of peace he says grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ If you had to define peace, how would you describe it to someone? Peace is this concept that I admit is often difficult to describe, to define. I was walking through uh, the hardware store down the street looking for something, and somebody, of course, at that particular hardware store will, I mean, you're bombarded by uh, three or four uh, masked uh, people at this point in time saying, may I help you find something? And my response, as it usually is when I go into the hardware store, is I'll know it when I see it. You know, the, the feeling. You, you're finding something that is uh, going to help you do a job that you need to do, but it's difficult to describe. But you know it when you see it. So it is with peace. You see, we know it when we see it. We know it when we have it, truly have it. But in a sense, it is impossible to uh, describe with words because it is an abstract word, an abstract word, similar to grace, similar to truth, similar to love. We can define these terms, but you know, can we physically hold on to them as you're sitting in that pew and you're holding on to that pew and feel it and know it and see it? In the world of art, you may be familiar with abstract paintings. When we were in New York a couple years ago, I took a couple hours and went to a particular floor in the Museum of Modern Art. And I saw some of these paintings that I had only ever seen in a textbook of art, literature and art history. One particular painter I saw there who paints abstract paintings was Jackson Pollock. Now I thought about showing you a picture of him but thought you know, I'll, I'll just try to describe it. You've probably seen Jackson Pollock's work. 
large paintings and it looks like somebody has simply drizzled paint on the surface of the canvas. Doesn't really uh, define anything in particular except maybe it expresses a a mood or uh, some sort of emotion as those paints are scattered organically over that canvas. That's abstract painting. Leonardo da Vinci, on the other hand, you're familiar with him, painted very realistic portraits of people. The Mona Lisa, the Sistine Chapel, Realist, as opposed to paintings that are abstract. You see, this idea of peace can be such an abstract word in English, but it doesn't mean that we can't grasp what it means. We have before us the reality of what that word means. Jesus Christ, the one who came to seek and to save those who are lost, the one who is the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, our Lord of Lords, is the embodiment of peace. For in His body, through His wounds that He took upon Himself, our wounds became His wounds. And by those wounds we are healed and brought back into that sense of reconciliation and peace with God. This word, as we look at this word, peace, is a word I'm sure that many of you have heard in Hebrew. And it is shalom. Hallelujah is another one of those words. Praise Him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Shalom is peace. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, that word is always associated with making someone whole, with restitution, with finding peace, even in the land of promise where there was enemy. All around God's people. How did God's people find peace? How did He draw them together? Through faith in Him. Through being in His presence at the very center of the tabernacle of God's people was God's presence. Peace. Bringing back into a right relationship those who have been separated from God. Bringing back to those people a sense of peace. A sense of shalom. Whether or not we can understand it. And I think in our finite minds, we we can and we should and we ought to grasp 
the meaning of this abstract word in very real ways because it is through that peace that Jesus Christ purchased for us, reconciling us with God, that we are brought back into a right relationship with the One who has created us. See, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He Himself is our only peace. He alone has accomplished something that no man, no woman, no group of people, no written document is ever able to do. Not only does Jesus make peace between the Jews and the Gentiles, between groups of people who were so diametrically opposed to one another in so many ways, He brings them back into one body. He Himself is that peace. No true peace is found outside of Him. So what we have here in Ephesians, in these final words, this benediction, these good words, is more than a farewell greeting. It's a prayer for reconciliation, for peace that surpasses all comprehension. Paul longed to see the whole brotherhood, brothers and sisters in Christ, Jew and Gentile, male and free, male and female, slave and free, brought back together as one at the cross. See, one of the main thrusts, one of the main focuses in Ephesians is that through the cross of Jesus Christ, we have peace with God and peace with those from whom we formerly were alienated. We have peace with God because of the blood of Christ. For He has paid the penalty for our sins. That's the very place where Ephesians began. With that grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And Ephesians chapter 2. For He Himself is our peace who made both groups into one. Who broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Establishing peace. That He might reconcile those two groups into one. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, be diligent. Don't let anything get in your way of seeking this peace. If at all possible for you, be at peace with all men and women. All people is the intent there. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit not in our moving and shaking and trying to to force those things to happen, but in the bond of peace. And where do we find that peace? We continually go back to the cross of Christ. We're about to finish this letter of Ephesus. 
this message of Paul to the Ephesian church, would you be able to tell someone if they asked you, what is the message of Ephesians? The message of Ephesians is this, is that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And how do we get there? Through our union with Christ. And how are we united with Him? Through faith. And where does that faith come from? Paul says, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, lest anyone say, look at me, look at what I have done. Our salvation, beginning to end, is a gift of our triune God, given to us through faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone. See, Jesus has come to make the abstract concept of peace and reconciliation real for us. If you could choose something in your life today, something that you would ask for, and desired the most. One thing. What would it be? Many answer that question. With that one word. Peace. Peace in our families. Peace in our city. Peace in our country. Peace in the world. And we can have a sense of that. But we will never have that in its fullness, this side of heaven. We can be for some, maybe a little taste of heaven on this side of heaven as we live at peace with one another and are comforted by God's world. People want peace in their marriages, in their families, in their workplaces, in the country and the world. Our country has some of the the highest educational facilities and some of the best educational institutions in the world. Yet with all of these things, most people are still seeking peace. The results are often devastating. We have broken marriages, broken homes, split families, hatred, rebellion, financial anxiety, a country unsettled, and cities fighting against one another. The world offers peace in so many forms, often forms of escapism, of just burying our head in the sand like that proverbial ostrich covering up our lives and our situations with drugs and alcohol and immoral relationships and constant, constant entertainment seeking peace through forms of pleasure and self-satisfaction and even Simply positive thinking. 
Many believe that peace is divine as the absence of trouble, as I said earlier, and refuse to face problems in their lives, believing that this, just ignoring it, is finding peace. The world has never held the answer for that question, what is peace and where do you find it? Or like the prophet Isaiah, even in the Old Testament, and uh, I'm sorry, the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 6, verse 14, saying, peace, peace. And he spoke those words to God's people. But there is no peace. Because even those people were looking then, and God's people, many of them, are looking now for that peace in all the wrong Places. True peace comes not from man. True peace comes from God alone. Through faith in Christ alone. Do I have to remind you that that peace that is spoken about, this very same peace, is a fruit of the Spirit. If you are called as a Christian, as a believer in Christ... There must be this fruit, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and what is the third one? It is peace. That peace means to be in harmony with God, to be bound and joined and woven together with God the Father through the the strands of the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by the power of His Spirit. It means being assured Confident, secure in the love and care that God has for His people and the promises that He gives to those people through Jesus Christ. It means having a consciousness, being sensitively aware and sure in our trust that God will provide, He will guide, He will strengthen, He will sustain, He will encourage, He will deliver and save completely those who seek Him with all their hearts, all their souls, all their minds, all their strengths, that they might be at perfect peace with Him. That supernatural peace comes from that Ultimate trust in God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Himself said this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Don't worry, don't fret, don't be fearful. For I, he says, have overcome the world. So you see, Paul writes in these final words, this benediction, these good words, and the first of these good words is the final word for today. And that word is what? As you leave here, what is that word? Peace. Let me pray.
Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come to You through the One who is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace. Father, may we trust in You for all things and not let our hearts be troubled. May we find courage, comfort, and peace and rest in the One who is not an abstract concept, but a very real and living hope for us. Father, we are told not to be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving to let our requests be made known to you and the peace of God, which surpasses our ability to comprehend and even understand will guide and guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. May we, this hour and this day, rest in Him who is our perfect peace as our minds are stayed and focused upon our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. We pray in His name. Amen.